Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze, and today we're talking atonement. What's that? Well, I think you'll find out. But before we get there, I just wanted to do a couple of housekeeping issues. Guys, next week, episode 50. Are you serious? Really? We've been 50 episodes in, and I and I have uh, someone who's coming back for that show. And you know what? She she was she was with me in the beginning of it, and uh, she's been with me all the way through. And it's just going to be a really good time. And uh, that announcement that I hinted at in, in the last episode, well, you'll find out a little bit more next week. So, with that, if you're new to the show. The goal of this show is to answer life's unresolved issues. It started with me dealing with my own unresolved stuff, my own skeletons. It's expanded out to answering questions for, uh, of others. I just go where God leads and let him do the rest. And one of the biggest unresolved issue is, oh, well, atonement. How, how do we, what is atonement? Do we really need it? We know what it is from the Christian standpoint. Basic nuts and bolts of it. Well, Jesus died for my sins. I can't get to God. He, he, I screwed up way too much. He, he, and he, uh, he covered it, but is that really the whole story or is there more on today? I've brought, um, Landra back. She, uh, covered the feasts, uh, the Jewish feasts with us the last time. And this time we decided to tackle this day of atonement and just what does it all mean? Or is it all just resolved around a cross or is there is there something is there layers upon layers that we don't understand so landra welcome to the show i'm glad to be here well we're glad to have you so let me open with this uh question according to the, i mean according to christian tradition the basic idea is that man is sin we can't get to god there jesus paid the price for our sin rosa did again he's coming back again case closed that's the end of the story but is it that's a that's a good nutshell there is, um, you have to understand that what all Jesus did, and not only did he pay the price for our sins, because in Leviticus it says that there must be blood um, to pay for sin. So he did that. But he is also called our atonement, um, which is our covering. And that means we are under his covering, under his protection. In other words, we don't we don't enter the presence of the Lord uncovered because if we do, we die. Um, that seems a little harsh, doesn't it? <clears throat> well, that's that's the jest of our Father. He is holy. He is so holy. He is holy, 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 <laughs> and we cannot enter His presence without being covered with holiness, or we will die. And so we must have that covering. Yes, Yeshua paid for our our sins, and we'll talk about that. But he was also, and is also, our atonement. He he even goes before us now. So let's 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 ask this. I mean, where did this all where did this atonement idea come from? Well, it came from the time in the wilderness, uh, in the tabernacle, and the high priest. You have to also keep in mind who our high priest is now, which is Yeshua. The high priest would actually, one day a year, only one day, go 
into the Holy of Holies and intercede for us, intercede for the children of Israel, excuse me, intercede for the children of Israel, which, you know, we are part of that seed because we're with Yeshua, but he would intercede for the children of Israel and plead their case um, and remind the Lord, if you will, this is the blood. The price has been paid. Cover us once again. And it all pointed, all of it was a foreshadowing of Yeshua and what he did. I'm reminded back in uh, Genesis 3 when when God's calling to Adam, uh, hey, where are you at? And Adam's all sitting there covered in fig leaves going, great, I really, you know. But I'm reminded that God did something similar uh, they were covered up in fig leaves, and he and he uh, covered them in an animal skin. Yes, he had to kill that animal. Blood had to be shed. Why is why is it that blood must be shed for for that purpose? The only reason I have is that's what Yeshua. That's what the Lord requires is is blood. I mean that you know I I've, I've asked that question as well. He states clearly that blood must be paid. And, you know, this is in his wisdom and who he is. So, I mean, he said in, in Leviticus seventeen eleven, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. So there's life in the blood. And I have given you on the altar. I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. So blood must be shed. I mean, all, all I know is to go back to the word and say, all right, blood must be shed. This is what he said. It must equate, it, it equates to life. It must be paid using blood. Sin, you know, if, if there is something that goes against him, it must be paid in blood because I guess to cover with life, because we are, if we sin against him, we are as good as dead. and. That's because of his holiness. Like I was saying, I mean, if we get close to him, if anything gets close to him, he is so holy. They really just don't stand a chance. They must be covered. You hear that verse, the part that there is life in the blood. So I'm wondering if it's left to yourself, you're dead. So I'm going to cover you with life. I'm wondering if that's kind of where, where it leads. I mean, at least that's where my mind is thinking. Um, so I believe you're right. Yeah, yeah, at least, I mean, because I've never really thought of, through that until, like, just now. It's just I mean, because you, you know how it is. You hear a verse, and you're like, oh, that's interesting. But it just seems to me that there is so much more to dig into. And, you know, maybe that's a place I'm going to research a little bit later. Like, why is he so particular about, oh, everything, it has to be covered in blood? I mean, that seems so, to our intellectual human frame of mind, it seems almost barbaric. But I think you're you're right in that, um, you know, if, if you think about sin, sin is going against the instructions for life. I mean, that's what the Torah is, instruction for life. So if you go against the instructions for life, well, you're choosing then death. So then you're, you're kind of living out toward death. This payment of blood, it, it must be that it is just the 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 perfect covering of life again. He, he's constantly wanting to push life upon us. I've presented to you, I present before you both life and death. And then he, it's almost like he's begging us to choose life. He is. 
And it's as simple as just obeying, but we keep going uh, in defilement and, and we're defying, you know, what about my way? What about this way? He says, choose life. This is the life. And it, so much so that he told his son, all right, you give them your life. You give them your life. We're doing this so that we can all be together again. Obviously, he knew we were going to mess up. And he offered his son. I mean, this is the most, the highest payment. I can, I, I'm thinking through just the ramifications of that because so often, you know, you look at God the Father is in the Old Testament. Um, and, um, and you kind of see him as, you know, here's all your rules. Don't break them. Don't break them or you're screwed, <laughs> basically, right? Okay, so so you, you, you go through the Old Testament and you see this task master, don't break these rules or you're going to get God, Father. But then you shift to the New Testament and it's Jesus and he's like, no, I'm going to give my life so that because I know you can't keep all these rules. But what we're suggesting here is that God the Father was in on that as well. He just wants us to live well. I mean... He created us and he even gave us an instruction book <laughs> for us to live. You know, he's not saying you do this and you're dead meat because I'm mad at you. <laughs> he's saying, do this and live. And if we would just approach his commands in that way, that they're actually a way to instruct us on how to live. Um, they're basically his holiness. This is his standard, him. This is his standard for living. And he says, live this way. And of course, when we fall short, which we do, he says, all right, Jesus, Yeshua, you go and you give them your life so that they can live this way. And you live through them. You know, he gave us his blood. In exchange for our sin, we, he said, we said, here, take all my sin. And he said, here, take all my life. That is almost unreal. It is, but it's, 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 it's truth. It's truth. And once one accepts that truth, then it is then that they have new, new life, new life. I mean, you understand it on one level of, okay, yes, I accept it. I'm a sinner. I, 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 I believe that Jesus died for my sins. But what we are talking about is something on a completely different level. What does that exactly mean? If we if if we believe the blood uh, that the, the life is in the blood, and if if Jesus is saying in me you'll have life and have it more abundantly, that I that I sit there and I go okay. But what does that look like to actually live out His life and have His life? flowing through us what does that actually look like in a world that is so screwed up and you sit there and you're barely scraping through and you're kind of making it and you're trying to do things god's way and you keep blowing it but what does that look like to live like him it means holiness holiness is set apart that's that's all holiness means is being set apart sanctified different and even when we mess up bad we have hope there is hope because we cannot die again. We have been crucified with Christ. We no longer live, but Christ lives in us. What can man do to us? What can happen to us? God is before us and nothing can be against us. And so we can walk in hope. We walk 
in his light, which is his Torah. Uh, we walk in his presence and, and it is now he living through us. And, you know, I used to think that that was a, um, that was like an apostasy. I mean, it's like, oh my goodness, I can't even say that. You know, what am I thinking? Cause I actually had that thought, you know, years and years ago, it's like, what if, what if the Lord really wants to maybe live through me? And then I just shut myself up really quick because I thought, oh my goodness, I could never think that, you know, that is just a heretic. I mean, that's heresy, you know, but it's truth. (laughs) It is a beautiful truth because not to say that he doesn't use our flesh because he does. We are living shofars like we talked about, but he he is the one who's living through us, just like a shofar. I read a couple of books by Brian Harden from uh, Daily Audio Bible, and he actually wrote something similar. But when I first kind of read his stuff, I was like, what? No way. No, 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 no. Dude, what are you off on? Dude, what are you talking about? You were like so off tra- kilter here. Uh, his first book, Reframe, really kind of helped, re- kind of started me reorienting how I think about God and how I live for him and that kind of thing. But his next book was called uh, Sneezing Jesus, which sounds like a weird title, I know. But it was talking about exactly that. And it was talking about like, it's been a while since I've read it, but it was talking about how we are called to live uh, through, uh, like God living through us. Uh, and, 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 you know, he went, you know, and he talked about a lot of other things, but I don't want to go go down that road. But it just seems like when we are talking about the atonement, we are talking about something more than just, okay, I got my sin dealt with. I'm, I'm good for a while. Oh, yeah. This is the full covering. This is 24-7 covering. Um, this is veil torn covering. Um, not that we can approach. And what is, and what is that? And what does that mean when you say felt torn? The veil was a protection for the priest. Um, and actually I'll kind of allude to that here in a few minutes, but the veil was a protection for, for the priests who ministered in the holy place, which divided the, and, and the veil divided the holy place and the most holy place. The most holy place was where the ark was, ark of the covenant, mercy seat. And that's where Elohim resided. That veil of protection was torn because now the veil has been laid upon us all, on those who receive him as their their covering, their savior, their atonement, their redeemer. And so we when so this protection that was a, a physical protection, if you will, for them not looking at the glory of the Lord, right? Uh, and being that in that presence or they would die um, because of his holiness, that veil was torn top to bottom, not bottom to top as if it were an accident from a tear, but from top to bottom revealing the uh, availability, if you will, but also the freedom to um, now return to the father and it in covered by the blood of his son, Yeshua. It's a beautiful picture. It really is. And it's, it's almost one I, I want to press into because the idea that we could, I mean, the idea that we could approach God, the father at any time, it seems so, but wait a minute. I, 
I've done way too much for that. I can't approach him. Yes, you can. <laughs> um, the The thing to be cautious about, though, I believe, is yes, we're we are free to be with the Father anytime, but we also must treat him as holy, not as uh, common. You know, he we are to approach him with fear and trembling because he is holy, not not out of I'm scared of you fear, but out of reverence. And I think that's something that we have kind of gotten into. We just kind of go in, into his presence flip, flippantly. And, you know, in other words, making him fit into our, our box instead of us, you know, go to him. And I think we have to really, when I am with the Lord, I have learned, all right, I am not going to approach you until I really Father, is there anything that goes between me and you? Have I done anything? And I mean, yes, we're going to call upon him. We're going to be in his presence. We can, and and we can. But when I am in full communion with him and I am focusing on that communion with him, I am walking through that tabernacle with him. Is there anything that I've done against you, Father? I want to be a light for you. Cover me with your oil of the lamp. You know, wash me with your water. Uh, feed me with you. I pray, Father, for those that are, you know, you have me pray for with the altar of incense. I walk freely through your veil and now I bow at your mercy seat. What you just outlined is something that a lot of people are going, what? I don't get that. It is a habit that I think we, we should maybe look at. We are allowed obviously, to go into the Holy of Holies. I mean, we are called priests. And so we minister all the time. We're a kingdom of priests. Um, But there is an intimate place, a very intimate place. And that is with the Father in the Holy of Holies. And it is available, obviously, to us because of the covering of Yeshua. Obviously, you, you had said last in our last conversation that Jesus died on the uh, Passover uh, or the, so how does his dying on the Passover coincide with this day of atonement? Passover offered, if you remember in Exodus, the Passover offered freedom from slavery to sin, to the Egyptians, the area of sin. Okay. So they offered, he offered freedom for them. And that freedom was given because of the obedience of placing the blood of the lamb upon the doorposts of their house. And uh, we receive that freedom as well when we place the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost of our hearts. Okay. And so there is, there is the freedom in Passover that he offers. And he says, okay, in order to get away from this slavery, in order to get uh, away from Egypt and from these plagues. Remember, there was a plague of death. And to be saved from the plague of death, you must slaughter this lamb that you have fallen in love with, by the way. They they were allowed, they kept this lamb in the house for four days. This little baby lamb that all these kids would love. But now they are to slaughter this lamb and put it on the doorpost of the house. And within that home, then they were safe. And then they walked out and they didn't just walk out. Uh, they marched out and 
uh, they not only marched out, they marched out with favor from the Egyptians. They gave them gold, silver, all they needed, and they walked out in freedom. Okay, so that is the blood. We receive that same freedom. We have that, that freedom. And so we walk out just like they did, and we walk away from death, and we walk toward the mountain, toward life. The mountains where actually the Torah was given. So we walk toward life. But first we walk through waters. And there is a equation of, of baptism. The children of Israel walking through this water, the baptism of Moses, it says. So they walked through and they went to the mountain. And if you remember, and we'll talk about this later when we talk about Passover at another time. But the Lord said, you will know. Moses said, how will they know who you are? And he said, they will know who I am when I release them from Egypt and I take them to the mountain. So, you know, I I was caught for years in just being released from Egypt. I forgot all about the mountain. In fact, I found, I thought the mountain wasn't applicable to me. (laughs) I I even went through the water, but I didn't dare go to the mountain because that wasn't for me. But there is a freedom of walking out from slavery, of walking through the waters, walking into the desert toward the mountain and receiving life, which is the Torah, living instructions for living. That's what Torah means is instructions for living. And I receive instructions on the mountain. So how do we apply that? Uh, Like, like. Like for for the average person, maybe they they kind of. Uh, I assume I assume that when we're talking about you know uh, walking out, you're you're talking about the person that's coming to know the Lord for the first time. Yes, that's exactly right. Okay, so then uh, and and equating walking through uh, the Red Sea, you're equating that to baptism. Okay, so then what about the rest of it? It's hard to get Egypt out of you, even if you've come to know the Lord, it's hard to shake some of the remnants of your past sin, especially if you, you know, we all have that really annoying nature. They didn't know how to live holy. They didn't know how to live just. They only knew pagan. Uh, I mean, they had been there 400 years. So that's all they knew were pagan customs. So they had to be taught just like we do. And they had to know how to live just like we do because we don't know how to live. And so just like the Israelites, we walked out away from death and we walked into new life, right? And and we're walking towards actually this um birth canal if you will, because the if if you look in maps as you're as they're walking toward the sea, the Red Sea, it is a narrow area and it is like a birth canal. And so as they're walking, and of course, they're being saved by blood and water. Think on that. Okay, so they're walking now through the Red Sea, washed by the baptism of Moses. And they step up as a new nation now onto dry ground. And they turn around and they see their adversaries being thrown into the sea. Okay, we will, we will someday see all of that again, I believe, seeing our adversaries thrown into the sea. But they're now walking in the wilderness. And we've all been in those. Many of us still are. Many of us still are. 
but we're walking toward the mountain now to get instructions on how to live a holy life because all we know is pagan. So we are going to the mountain. We are going to receive the instructions for living and we are going to live in fullness of life. Not just life, not just survive, but we are going to live in fullness of life because we are going to live, learn how to live holy and to live separate and to live as a separate nation, the nation of God, his kingdom. So then why do most Christians, because of, I mean, if this is true, if this is even possible, why is it that most Christians, most believers that call, you know, Jesus their Lord and they do their best to do things, you know, right? Why do they not walk in that fullness of life? Well, I think we've been taught, uh, you know, a, a, um, okay, you need to obey Jesus' commands. And, and of course we do. That's to love God and love each other. But what we're not taught, what we've neglected, and it, you know, it's really not any, I mean, it just goes back generations. Okay. This is just the use of the enemy, I believe. But we've not been taught of, well, what in the world does that mean? How, how do I love the Lord? How does he want me to love him? Really? Where, where do I go for that information? Oh, I go to the Torah. How do I love others? How in the world? What does that even mean? My love looks different than your love. I mean, we have to go back to something that is black and white. We have got to go back to an instruction. And, and so we, we haven't been given instruction on how to do that. And, but we have been given the Holy Spirit who will teach us that if we ask. So I think it's just a matter of, all right, Lord, I am seeking you. I am seeking how to live. Show me that. And all this while, it has been hidden, if you will, because we've been taught that it doesn't apply to us. You know, it's a good reference, but we don't, it doesn't apply to us. But it has been hidden, if you will, all in the first five books of the Bible. Well, a lot of what I, what I hear, one of the biggest arguments that I hear from New Testament believing uh, devoted, and I mean on fire followers of God, is, you know, don't, you know, if, you know, it's it's cool to look into this stuff, but don't let people put you back under the law. The the law term, you know, is is a misinterpretation. You know, Torah means instructions or teach. You know, I don't feel like I have to be learning instructions and teaching. I I get to. <laughs> we all get to. You know, we all get to understand finally. What in the world it means? I remember when I I first started coming to this understanding, a very dear, sweet, strong in the Lord friend said, Landry, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do these things. You don't have to go under the law, if you will. You know, you don't have to go back. And I said, But what if I love him? But what if I love him? I mean, I want to do what he said to do. Can I not? at least just try to do that. You know, and, and then it became, oh, this is, this is more than just satisfying the Lord. This is actually living abundantly. Oh, okay. You know, and so, you know, he, he slowly makes things very clear to you. So anyway. I'm, I, I, I am just picturing and, and thinking through that because, 
don't get me wrong. I've read the Old Testament a few times, and I've read a lot of books within the Old Testament, and there's a lot of uh, information that can be gleaned from there. But, you know, you start digging into, well, you got to cut this this certain way, and you got to do this sacrifice this certain way, and you're kind of going, okay, that's rather dry and dusty. Plus, the temple don't even exist, so it doesn't even apply. And and you break one commandment, you've broken them all, so what's of use in trying to keep them all? It's, you just have to consider that it is more than just keeping a commandment. It's actually learning how to live. If you look at the commandments, there's 613 commandments that are kind of been listed. You know, Overkill much? Well, I mean, if you think about it, I, I was even reading the other day that Jesus, um, or Yeshua, in the New Testament, listed 1,050 commandments. You know, so, and all he did was just elaborate the Torah. You know, he's, he's just talking about the Torah. And, you know, another thing to consider is here in the United States, we're the most free country in the world and we have more laws than anybody. So, you know, laws, if you will, you know, they have their place, they keep us safe. And that's what instructions are doing. They're saying, this is how you keep safe. This is how you live. You know, this is, this is what is needed, like your instruction booklet. You know, let's let's go back to how you can live, you know, and live well, live abundantly. Yeah. I mean, there's much to consider. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just like, <laughs> I, and I, again, I'm just curious because I'm kind of like in that place of I want to understand, you know what I mean? And, it, you mm-hmm. know, if there if there's more that um, if there's more to this than meets the eye that, that I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to chase it down. I mean, that's. um well, you also have to, okay, so out of those 613, if you will, okay, um, most, not most, about half um, are not really applicable because we don't have a temple. And they're also in use for the high priest, of which we, we have Yeshua as our high priest. There's not a physical high priest right now in the temple. So we don't need one. I mean, which means that it, may, which makes, it makes those, those commandments null and void, doesn't it? Um, at least, uh, here, yes. Um, there's, you know, Yeshua is fulfilling those, I believe in heaven. He's, he's going before us. He's our intercessor in heaven. He's the high priest, uh, for us, which is listed in Hebrews, but there's also commands about that just apply to men. There's a commands that just apply to women there, you know, and, and if it makes the listener more happy (laughs) to hear this, you know, most Christians, honestly, uh, fulfill all of these commands. There's uh, there's some that they they don't like. You know, uh, they many don't still recognize the the feasts, and that's one of the commands of the Lord, or some of the commands of the Lord. And then um, other other things that like kosher foods and things like that. Uh, Christians Christians do these. Um, look at the Ten Commandments. They mostly have done every one, you know, except the fourth, um, uh, which is, um, or the fifth one, I think it's the fifth one, which is uh, Sabbath. Really, they're, and, and the Bible says they're, they're not out of reach. They're not too, too difficult for us. You know, it's just living. It's living. And they do not offer salvation. It's not, it's not a salvation. Yeshua is our salvation. It is a how to live. 
Okay, now that I am safe, now that I have life again, all right, how in the world am I going to live it? And that's that's really what it boils down to. He said, okay, Israel, I'm saving you. I'm bringing you out to the mountain, and I'm going to tell you now how to live, how you were to always live, how you lived in the garden. This is how you are to live, and I want you back. So that is, that, that's that. So you have the Passover. And that pays for the atonement, but and pays for this the sins. Uh, the blood must be shed, and Yeshua did that for us. He was our uh, lamb. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and He does do that. It's also our atonement and our covering, and that is kind of like the fulfillment of oh, okay, this is this is the goal um, of His blood. The whole, the whole final goal of his blood is being with God the Father forever, um, and we have that. We are sealed with him. Um, his blood and his Holy Spirit, they, they seal us. Um, so that's the point of the atonement. Um, well, this, this day of atonement was uh, practiced out, of course, when they were in the, the wilderness, um, the desert, uh, for those 40 years, they were out there and they, they had this, um, the tabernacle that the Lord directed Moses to build. Uh, the first piece that was built and designed in the tabernacle was the ark and the mercy seat, the heart of the tabernacle. It wasn't what we would probably do, which is like the outside or, you know, whatever, the, the gate or whatever. But we, he went directly to the heart and he said, this is the piece. So it was the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat where the Lord would reside. So um, they would always have this tabernacle up, obviously, but um, the priest, high priest was allowed to only go in one day a year. And that was on the day of atonement or Yom Kippur, which means the day of covering. This is the last day. The day of atonement is the last day of the day of returning. We talked about that at the Feast of Trumpets, we were saying, okay, you got 10 days, people. You better square off with God and let's get this done, get right or whatever. Okay. Well, Christians use that as a time of, Father, what have I done? You know, I'm repenting or just getting right with the Lord, making themselves as beautiful as they can as a bride. And it's also considered uh, the wedding day of the lamb and the bride, future wedding day, Um, and the day of judgment. All that wrapped into one. Mm, it's it's considered the most holy day of um, of of his feast, uh, hold, most holy day of the year. It always has been. So this is also, of course, the day of judgment, and um, whether you are in the book of life, and you know whether you're covered by the blood, <laughs> whose blood are you covered by? Your own, or or you know Yeshua, or himself. You know, it's the the only day, a feast day that uh, you are required to deny yourself. And um, that's translated as to fast. The one day in scripture where you are commanded to fast. A fast is taken place from sundown to sundown on the day of atonement, sundown to the next day of sundown. It's a denial of, of self. You know, basically you're standing in front of the Lord and saying, either you don't believe in Yeshua and you're saying, save me again, put me in your book of life one more year, cover me 
you know, save me, save me. Or you are covered by the blood of Yeshua and you stand before the Lord and you say, hallelujah, I praise you. I am covered by the blood of Yeshua. You know, it's truly a day and, and all wear white that day. It's just traditional, but it's also in the Bible. It's in Revelation about standing uh, in white robes of white. Um, and then also the high priest would be in white that day to just to show purity um, and making themselves as white as they can, of course, I mean, as clean as they can, but also to, you know, for the, for the believer in Yeshua, I am pure because of the covering of Yeshua. I am dressed in robes of righteousness. I mean, it, it is such a powerful, powerful day. I love this day. And of course, the bride, what is she dressed in? White. She is dressed in white before her groom. Okay, so this was a, a full day of prayer. And of course, it's a day of rest, considered a, a day of rest, where you do you just focus on the Lord. Interesting, in Israel, all businesses close. The television shuts down. I mean, every no one does anything on this day. Very quiet, and all gather um, at the Wailing Wall or um, Western Wailing Wall, if you will, but uh, uh, in white. And of course, they're pleading their case. And for us uh, who believe in Yeshua, for those who believe in Yeshua, Yeshua pleads our case every day of our life. And, and yeah, I mean, he 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 is our intercessor. So anyway, everyone wears white, but what would happen on this day is um, normally, you know, throughout the year, the high priest had these very elaborate garments, you know, with the breastplate, uh, the ephod that had that all the children of Israel on there with, but depicted as stones. You know, of course, we're called living stones. I mean, that's a whole nother thing, too, is the whole priestly garment. We'll do that again if you want. But so what the what the high priest would do, though, and think about this as a picture of Yeshua. He would strip himself of his royal garments, high priest garments. Okay, now just think about that. And would only wear his white tunic because he knew a lot of blood was going to be shed that day. And there's a lot of blood on the day of atonement to get these robes dirty, you know, would be horrible. What work to be able to have to clean these things. He took himself out of that and he only wore white, his white undergarment and even his crown or his, um, yeah, his crown that he wore was white. He still had a band on on um, his headpiece that said "Holy to the Lord," just like the high priest would, but it was white. He had to go for his atonement as well. Now, of course, Yeshua is perfect, right? Sinless. Anyway, that's exactly what Yeshua did. He stripped himself of any garments, royal garments, and came down just as we are in this lowly dress, this undergarment. I have never made that connection. Yeshua is in the middle of everything. I mean, he is, he is it. And if we were to say to him, Yeshua, it's all about you. He would say, he would point and he would say, no, it's all about. And 
So it is, it is all about returning to the father, return, return, return. So, okay. So anyway, the high priest would go in, um, he would, he would first get up at dawn and he would bathe and, and dress and wear his white tunic. Um, and he offered his regular morning sacrifice. Um, then he would stand before the congregation, all these people, you have all these people surrounding the tabernacle, all wearing white. I mean, just imagine this sight, millions standing around the tabernacle, waiting to see, you know, if the sacrifice would be received and accepted by the Lord. Quite a responsibility on this man, just like there was on Yeshua. But he offered, you know, his sacrifice so that he would be clean to go in. And then he stood before all the congregation to confess his sins on the head of a bull. All right. Now, if you think about comparison, Yeshua was arrested at dawn. Uh, he laid aside his, you know, atoning glory, his robes, and he became, you know, this flawless, pure sacrifice. And he stood before his accusers, though, without sin. Okay, so there's, there's the comparison the high priest. Okay. So now the high priest would speak in front of Israel. He would speak God's name 10 times. And this was not used. His name was not used at all. Yahweh. It was not used. And this drove the people to the ground in worship. Okay. Now, and because of the holiness of this name. Now, if you remember in the garden, Jesus said that I am he. And he also said before Pilate, I am he. And if you remember in the garden, the soldiers, they fell to the ground. So that would, that would take place. Then later they would draw lots for these goats. Okay. This was back in Israel. Now talking about Israel and drawing lots for the goats, one to be killed and one to be a scapegoat that was used to cover the sins of the people. And the other, the scapegoat was to take any sins away. Now, Jesus, Yeshua, he played the role of both because not only was he the sacrifice, but he was also the scapegoat. He covered all the sins, but he was also, he carried them away. Okay, so the high priest, uh, he, would, he would go to the bull and he would slaughter it. Uh, this is to cover his sins. And he would pour blood into this golden bowl. Okay. But then he also filled this fire pan. Okay. So they had fire pans at the altar. Um, and he's making lots of trips back and forth to the holy place. I think it's four, but he would fill this fire pan with coal, burning coals, and he would put incense on the coals. Now incense represents prayers, prayers of the people going up to the father. Right. And so he would take these coals and take them back into the Holy of Holies. Of course, he's covered now by, by blood, the sprinkling of blood. And so he goes back into the Holy of Holies and puts this burning coals there. So he's surrounded by this cloud. He's covered by this cloud of prayer, walking in prayer. Of course, Jesus did the same thing. Yeshua did the same thing. And he went to the cross and he prayed on our behalf. You know, Father, forgive them. So there is like all this connection going on. Then the high priest would go back uh, from the ark and he would go back and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. So he would, he would kind of step away from the ark and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. 
it's interesting. I was hearing the other day that when they would sprinkle, of course, the only light that was in the Holy of Holies was the glory of God. Say what? That was the light, was the glory of God, his fire. There was no other light in the Holy of Holies. The menorah was in the holy place, but beyond the veil, the only light that was in there was God himself. And of course, the whole, the high priest was only allowed in there one time. Doesn't that that, that kind of reminds me of what is it, Revelation twenty two, where it says there will be no more sun, there will be no more moon, but uh, the light. Oh, I can't. I can't. Something about like God uh, will be our light, so we won't need that other stuff. Uh huh. <laughs> That's very good. Yes. Well, we'll be. Walking in the presence of the Lord. So this is truth. That's true. Very, very good. Uh, we will be like in a holy, holy of holies with him. Right? I mean, that's true. In, in total communion, back, return to the Father. Amen, amen. Are, are we talking about the, like, the pillar of fire? The, the one that... Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, that is all that was in there. Was that as far as... And that was the only peak of the tabernacle was in the holy place was... The mercy seat and, and the ark and the mercy seat. That's that's all there was. And the angels, you know, were uh, cherubim were on top of it. I mean, that was in the fire. And so it had its own light. The only time a priest would go in there was to bring incense and prayers and blood. And he would sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. According to the, the rabbis, he would sprinkle that from left to right, and up and down in the form of a cross. So when they would walk in, they would see years of sprinkling blood as a cross. So, and then he would, and then, it, so once the blood is sprinkled, he would make a ha- quick and hasty exit, I assume. Yes, he would go out. Then he would go out for the goat, because that was the bull's blood. He would go out there for the goat's to kill the goat. So he would slaughter and collect that blood. Now this is for the people. This is for all the people. And and he went inside the veil again with the goat's blood and he would sprinkle the ground seven times. And then he put the blood on the altar of incense, which was behind him. And he sprinkled the altar seven times. So the blood was on the altar. So there's blood everywhere. I mean, and he's also barefoot. So he's walking this path of blood, if you will, from the altar at the front of the tabernacle to through the holy place to the holy of holies, back and forth. So there's this there's this red path. Okay, so when you're a bride, what kind of path do you walk on? You walk on rose petals that are usually red. And so you're you're walking toward, I mean, this is the most intimate place, the Holy of Holies, where our beloved waits for us. I never even made the connection. I mean, talk about, I mean, to our, to our Western sensibilities, the idea that you would walk in blood and that you would, you would, you would do all these things is so uh, repellent. But then when you really sit down and you think about it, you're going, but there's something beautiful about that. There is. I mean, you are walking in atonement. You are walking in the power of atonement. And, okay, so I mean, it, it is just truly beautiful. <laughs> and it sounds horrible, but it's actually very powerful. 
he would do that. He would sprinkle that blood. Then he would come back to the altar again. There were four horns on the altar and he would sprinkle those four horns with the blood of the bull and the goat mixed together. And then he would bathe again. And this is a, a very powerful reference because um, remember how I was saying the high priest would sprinkle the blood in front of the altar, just like Yeshua. Okay. His blood was sprinkled and flowing, you know, to the ground covering and then in, in full atonement. And also this blood was on four parts of, of our Lord, you know, his two hands, his feet. And his head. So to remind us, these four horns on this altar, these four corners right on this altar, well, there was blood on the same thing that held our Savior to the cross. I mean, if you look at his hands in your mind, okay, you see them out, stretched out, okay, you've got these four corners being held by blood. And it, it you know, it, this is what kept him there. Uh, I mean, this is our Lord, and it secured him. Um, the horns were used to secure the animal. Well, these secured our savior. I, I, you could just cry in praise over this. I mean, this, this, this did, of course, then the high priest would also, he would burn the carcass and the fat and they would remove it from outside the city. Well, just like Yeshua, of course, he was sacrificed outside of the city. Now the goat that was the scapegoat, what the what the high priest would do at that point is he would place his bloody hands because they were bloody from all the blood. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Yes, but he placed his bloody hands upon the scapegoat to transfer the sins and get them away from the nation of Israel. And he would then raise his bloody hands Okay, you got to think about Yeshua here. He would raise his bloody hands and he confessed to the nation, to all of Israel, you shall be clean. This is our Lord. Far as the east is from the west, they are gone and you are clean. This is our Lord, Teresa. This is our, this is our self. Yeshua means Yah's, Yahweh's, Yah's salvation. Yahshua. Anytime in the Old Testament you see the word salvation, that is the name Yeshua. I'm just picturing because there are so many people that may be listening and maybe they kind of are, you know, they're kind of following, but I want to kind of focus on in on that phrase, you shall be clean, because I'm just thinking, you know, so many people, they go but I have so many things that I've done and some are rather egregious. I mean, how can God really make me clean? Well, you have to keep in mind, these people confessed these things before the Lord. They're confessing. I mean, this is what we must do. You know, if we have sins, we first need to acknowledge it. Hey, this is what I've done here. You're basically handing him the goat and saying, here's the goat. And here's my sin. Would you please put my sin upon this goat? I mean, we have to have a transfer at some point. And it takes us saying, this is what I did. And even all those things that I didn't even know I did. Most of, you know, these, this sacrifice was for sins that they didn't even know they did. 
They didn't even know that they went against him. But for those that we do know what we've done and we became his enemy, it doesn't matter. He loved us when we were his enemy. He loved us when we were spitting upon him, when we slept him, when we took and, and had games over his robes, when we took the hammer and we nailed it, his hand to a cross and his feet and placed this barbaric crown upon his head. He loved us. And he said, Father, forget them. They don't even know what they're doing. And yet his blood poured out in water and blood spilled out just like in Exodus. Water and blood. That's incredible. It, it is. This is what our Lord has done. And it is, it is available. It is available for the asking, if you will. Just, just to say, this is what I've done. But you love me anyway. And you know, I will say today, even every day, Father, this is what I have done against you. And you know what he says, Teresa? He says, I know. Come here. I know. Come here. And I run to him. I run to him. And this is what he allows because of his covering every day, every moment. And this is what is available to every person who is hearing this. You know, that is the first step, if you will, of receiving Yeshua is actually hearing. I mean, so if you're hearing this now, consider yourself told. And now you need to have a talk with your Lord who loves you. He wants your heart. It's a heart thing. It's not about what I have to do. It is, I love you. What can I do for you? This is the the most beautiful exchange. He has said, here, you put every sin you can think of, even every sin you can't think of, you put it on the head of this goat and I, I will take this goat away and I will throw it into the bottom of the sea. And you will never see it again. And don't you dare go fishing. (laughs) Oh, how often do we do that, huh? Yes. But he has thrown it to the bottom of the sea. In fact, that's what they did with the goat. They threw it off a cliff. They didn't just let it wander in the wilderness because it might come back. They would actually have a priest take it 12 miles to a cliff and throw it off the cliff. Uh, They didn't want these sins back. And remember, this is the the foreshadowing. They only had this foreshadowing. This was telling Israel over and over, okay, you are completely reliant on me, children. You are completely reliant on me. And it tells us now, children, you are completely reliant on Yeshua. Do you understand? I mean, there is a complete reliance. That I'll tell you right now, that is hard. You know, because you're sitting there going, on one hand, you're going, I got to get things right. I got to get things sorted uh even and i think even after you follow christ you're you're thinking i gotta get things sorted or i just cannot seem to get things i can't seem to do things right and i think that's something that just plagues us and so the idea that every single day we can come and he can clean us up i am honestly blown away by that idea even though i've heard it a thousand times there is just something in hearing that, in knowing that, that is just so. It is. And it's a, it's a daily thing that we are allowed to do. This is not something that we have to wait a year. 
you know, we, we, we are allowed, if you will, to go before him every day and to just plead our case before him and, but to go before him in full communion. Oh, it is so beautiful just to know that we have that. Um, I'll, I'll pray that in just a minute. Um, because I, I think it's very important and it's a wonderful practice, if you will, to get into of just how to go before the father to finish up of what would happen on that day. Okay. So the scapegoat would go right when he lifted up his hands after the scapegoat. So when he lifted up his hands and they saw the blood, they knew that not only their sins were transferred to the scapegoat and they're gone. Right. But also the blood was also accepted as an atonement. Okay. So he is showing them his bloody hands. And of course, Yeshua showed us his bloody hands that the sacrifice and atonement is accepted. And of course, this is for all time's sake. And at that point, he would, this is where the high priest would go into what was known as the court of women or the court of Gentiles. He would say that the, the blood has been received or the atonement accepted. Of course, we as Gentiles, I mean, I have no Jewish background that I know of, but I am Israel. And they had people from Egypt with them. They had, they had people who were not Jews. I mean, people from Egypt said, wherever you're going, I'm going. Think about Ruth. You know, your God will be my God. I'm going wherever you're going because you're getting out of Dodge and your God is powerful. I've just seen 10 plays. <laughs> I wonder just how many people decided to go, yeah, forget all this stuff over here. I'm going to go with these guys. And that's what they did. And those are called the foreigners and strangers with the children of Israel. Okay. Well, Teresa, that's me. I don't know about you. I don't know if you have any Jewish background, but that's us. And we stood shoulder to shoulder with them. And we were covered by the same blood they were covered by. And we are today. This is the blood of Yeshua, and he stood out in the court of the Gentiles just to prove this is for you, too. This is for all who proclaim him and proclaim his blood upon them. And I'm standing there with him, and I want to be there. You know, so Aaron was the first high priest, but Yeshua is our high priest forever. Okay, he is with us in in Hebrews, of course, it, it alludes to that. And then the blood of bulls and goats, okay, that took away the sin for one year. But Yeshua's blood, it's a covering forever, forever, once for all. The, the high priest ministered on our behalf with the people, of the people, but, and he was all alone. And Jesus ministered, Yeshua ministered, and he's, he's alone there too, but he's ministering before us now, before the Father. I mean, he is our intercessor. You know, remember how the high priest was covered in prayer? He was covered with that incense. All right, well, that's Yeshua. He is constantly going before the Father, interceding for us. So he is our eternal high priest. It is, it's finished. It's finished. And now we have living in just this full fullness of life. Before we were getting by and we barely survived and that's fine. But we are living in the fullness now. There is so much to dig into. And I and I know we're running a bit long, but I, I am just literally, guys, I'm processing this and thinking there is so much more that 
Christ Yeshua, Christ Jesus offers us that we are just missing. And so, um, guys, I would say let's just chew on that. Let's just chew on that. What if, what if Christ's blood were enough, truly, honestly enough to meet every sin problem, every need we ever had? And he is. I know he is, but oftentimes we don't live like it. Yes. The tabernacle itself is a picture of our salvation. I, If you will, I, I just invite you to, to walk through the tabernacle with with me, I will. I will walk you through his salvation if you'd like. Yeah, let's 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 do that because I think that might be good for someone who might be listening and going, "I want I want that covering, but I don't have it. My life is hell." Amen. Our Father, um, Father, we walk toward you. Uh, you are the gate. You have said that Yeshua is the door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to you except through him. So, Father, we are approaching the gate of this tabernacle of you. We are asking um, if there is anything that comes between us. We confess it to you. I ask that you bring it to our mind, Father. Just confess it to you right now. And we dare place it on the body and blood of Yeshua, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Father, we are laying it on the sacrifice. We are laying it on the altar. And there he is. He has exchanged himself for us. We praise you, Father, that the Lamb of God gave us his life. And he says, take it. I will take your sin and I will die with it. But hallelujah, I live again. So, Father, we are just laying everything upon that altar. Father, we are walking now fully sure that that price has been paid for our sin. For falling short, not following you, not following your ways, and just living a life that's completely destructive and leads to death. So, Father, we are now walking to the laver, this beautiful fountain of life-giving water, somehow fully flowing, probably by the rock in the desert. But, Father, we are asking that you wash us of the blood that was just likely put upon us. Maybe we got stained with it somehow. If anything is upon us, Father, cleanse us. Cleanse us before we even walk any farther towards you. Let us be perfectly clean. Our hands, our feet, everything. You've made us new. Father, if there is just anything, we just ask, Father, that you you just wash us clean. We look in those mirrors of reflection in that labor to make sure. And of course, those mirrors is your word. So, Father, I praise you for that. Um, And then we walk. We walk into the holy place because now you've called us priests, a kingdom of priests to minister. We walk in to where the lampstand is, your menorah. And we ask, Father, that you fill us with new oil, that you shine uh, the gold that we now have upon us, this beautiful overlay of you, of your holiness. Father, we ask that you give us new wicks. We ask that you light us. With your light, this is your light that we get to display through these bodies. But you are doing it through us, Father. So we are just asking that you light us again and you make us lights for this world. Ones that can point towards you. And then as we cross to the other side of the tabernacle, we just want to eat of you, Father. We want only you. What else would we want? 
What else can satisfy but you, Father? We've tried everything else. Nothing else works. You are the only satisfying thing. You are our life. So we eat of your body, the bread. We eat, we drink of your blood. Dare we, dare we, but we do. And we receive this cup and we take you in this life, this blood that is yours. Life from the dead. It is now ours. And we take of you. And Father, we go to the altar of incense and we say, all right, who, who is it that you have laid upon us to intercede for? We will intercede for them right now. We lift up those that we have said, oh, I'll pray for you. Or Father, you are laying somebody on our hearts that we need to pray for right now. And that is the place to do it. All others we will pray for. And then we look up and we see your veil torn. (laughs) And then we walk in. Father, we have to fall to our knees because there is really no other. How can we stand in this presence? So Father, even now I bow my knees before you, just in holy reverence of who you are and what you've done, and even the joy of being able to just bow in your presence. Now it's just you and me, Father. I ask you to speak to me. Speak to us and tell us the little sweet things you want us to know. Love on us, Father, as we just love on you. We walk in your authority into your holy place. We walk in your authority out into the world. We walk by the authority of the name and the covering of Yeshua, son of the living God. We love you, Father. We give you our lives. You are the best. You are the best to give to, and you're the best option. How can we live except with you? We love you and we praise you. We give you everything in full surrender. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.